Well, hello again, and welcome to the Extra Point Podcast. I'm Todd Stiles, one of the pastors here at First Family Church, and the Extra Point Podcast is designed to bring some extra insight, what we call uh, bonus material, uh, to our listeners that relates to our text that we preached from the previous Sunday. And so this week, we're going to take some time to look at a specific phrase that was highlighted in the list of phrases from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Now, let me remind you, we did look at the main phrase, that of God predestining us, and then we noticed there were six modifying phrases phrases to that. Uh, They were the phrases that follow. They were the phrase, in love, which is predestination's motive, and then the phrase, adoption as sons, which is predestination's result, then the phrase through Jesus Christ, which is predestination's avenue, and then the phrase according to the purpose of his will, which is predestination's basis, and then the last two, of course, predestination's end game, which is uh, seen in the phrase to the praise of his glorious grace, and then, of course, the phrase with which he has blessed us in the beloved is predestination source. These are six phrases that all modify the main phrase, which is the fact that God predestined us. And I want to take some time in this Extra Point podcast to further uh, highlight and bring some insight into the phrase that, that we were predestined for adoption as sons. Yes, adoption is a, a beautiful word that speaks to Uh, bringing someone into your family who's not biologically part of it. And it is a beautiful concept today, and it was a a concept, even in that Greco-Roman culture, that folks knew a good bit about what it meant. But I think that when Paul used it, it probably had a greater cultural sting than perhaps we understand today. So just a few insights about this word that I think will be helpful in maybe increasing your your view of this word and helping you treasure and cherish it more. We know that the word adoption has some Old Testament uh, roots. Uh, we see that Moses was adopted into Pharaoh's house, had access to that authority and, and that privilege, of course. Uh, we see some, some adoption type of concepts in two other places as well, just not the Old Testament, but One is, of course, in Ruth's declaration that she was going to stay with her mother-in-law like a daughter. You see this in Ruth uh, 1, verses 16 and 17. And as you move to the New Testament, you see that that Christ from the cross placed his mother into the family of the disciple that he loved. This is in John 19. So there's some some adoption-type language there. And so so adoption isn't a new concept, uh, or I should say adoption wasn't a new concept to those who were reading the Bible in those cultures. But here's what I think is interesting. In the Greco-Roman world especially, at the time that this book would have been written, adoption was was not something that was practiced perhaps out of great love for someone. In fact, uh, women were not allowed to adopt at all in the Greek culture, uh, and usually girls were never adopted in either culture, the the Greek culture or the Roman culture. Uh, Furthermore, slaves were not considered legal people in the Roman society, so they were never adopted. And you typically did not adopt someone who had poor uh, social status or economic status because it would not do something for your own status. It wasn't a a win or a a boom to that. And so, so adoption wasn't looked upon 
always in favorable ways. In fact, though it was practiced in the Roman culture, it was especially practiced in the Roman Empire, as often the offspring of the emperor, uh, they would be killed so that there'd be no one to pass the empire onto, and they were more susceptible then to uh, you know, overthrow. And so often Roman emperors would adopt um, other young men who were in good standing, had a military might or, or power in that way, or who had economic possibilities as a way to continue their legacy and their empire. And so when Paul would write about adoption in the New Testament, and especially using that word to describe God's action towards us, he often used language that was not consistent with how they understood adoption. In fact, uh, when they would adopt, it was um, uh, for their own selfish reasons, typically, the emperors or even the people in the society. But here we see that God was adopting, in, in spiritual terms, God would adopt for our benefit. God was adopting out of his own love for those who were not biologically his and those who could bring nothing to the table. I remind you of some language used by Paul when he says that in Christ there's neither bond nor free nor male nor female. And Paul lays this out that, that adoption into God's family is by belief, not behavior or biology or status or economics. And so this had to be a, a massive uh, astounding type of difference in how one viewed adoption. And so you can, you can just sense uh, as the readers of the New Testament were reading this and then picturing a God who did not operate as their emperors, but instead operated out of love for those who weren't part of his family biologically, who had nothing to offer him economically, and who, who weren't greater in might than him. And and yet he would bring them into his family. And in fact, he would bring them into the closest part of his family. He would make them joint heirs with his beloved son, Christ. And you see, this was a, another way in which adoption was often in the, in the physical culture very different because often people would adopt someone and make them an extended relative. And perhaps this had legal or financial benefits, but they wouldn't bring them into the inner circle, so to speak. But in God's economy, Adoption is not like any of those things. He brings us into full sonship, into the close family. He makes us a joint heir with Christ. And it's not based on biology or, or what we offer, but it's simply based on belief in Christ. And then God's loving action to do this is the very first step. One last note about adoption that I think is different uh, you know, at the time of this writing of Ephesians, there was a series of laws in Rome that uh, required, and that's much more than encouraged, but required citizens to bear children up uh, to build up the Roman population. Of course, this was so that there'd be uh, more money for their tax coffers. And so this law was in place to biologically produce more children. And so when Paul uses the the word adoption, and he describes it as a means of being brought into God's family in a non-biological way without any type of benefit that you're bringing to God. It just stands in direct contrast to, to the laws and even the concepts of adoption in those days. And what it shows us is that that predestination to adoption, which remember adoption is the, is the result of God's decreeing 
to bring a people uh, unto himself. That this, this adoption, this predestination to adoption is not some kind of cold or abstract act of an impersonal God. Not at all. Nor is it some type of leveraging by God to get something for himself or to make himself more powerful or to ensure a lasting legacy. None of those things are in place. This adoption is really an act of love, sovereign, unconditional love from God's character um, out of his inexpressibly gracious, kind favor and grace for the express purpose of maximizing his grace and showing his love to be exactly that, unconditionally uh, powerful and towards sinners. And so I trust that as you think about this word adoption, you'll not see it only in terms of perhaps how we see adoption or how perhaps previous cultures saw adoption, but as it is in its stark contrast to how we love. In other words, here God is acting on our behalf first out of his own love for us and out of his grace towards us through Christ for no other reason than to to love us and save us from our sins and to showcase his grace in us. I trust you are thankful to God for his adoption of you into his family and that you have been brought into his family simply by belief in the good work of God through Christ on your behalf. Well, I trust that helps you today. Thanks for listening in, and I'll see you next week on the Extra Point Podcast.